So today, today we begin a brand new series entitled Chasing Carrots, which is the endless pursuit of more. Where your head at? Dang. Don't want to talk business, business. I guess I got to be the one to see the summer. Who really in this, in this? We so fed up. My life, 10 up. Your time, been up. Big prayers, sent up. Could have do without them, out of so I'm wondering if there's anybody out there who, like me, has believed the lie that if I get just a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, then I'm going to find a life that is satisfying and it's fulfilling and it has a great meaning. If I just get a little bit more of this or a little bit more of that, just a little bit more money in my paycheck, just a little bit bigger house, just a little bit nicer friends, just a, a little bit more time to relax, just a little bit more time in my week, or just a little bit more peace and quiet. If I get just a, a little bit more done in a week, then I'm going to find satisfaction, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be fulfilled. The problem is we've all experienced a little bit more of this or that. And when we got there, we were like, eh, well, that didn't really quite do what I thought it would do. But then we think to ourselves, oh, but if I get a little bit more of that, then I'll be happy and satisfied and fulfilled. And we find ourselves on the hamster wheel, never quite making it to that proverbial carrot out there. This is what we call the continual pursuit for more. Now, we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about this pursuit for more, and we're going to talk about four very important themes in regard to this that my guess is all of us struggle with at least one of those. We're going to talk about the elusive pursuit of perfection. If I can just get all my ducks in a row, if I can just have enough control of my life, then I'm going to be able to find happiness. The next week, we're going to talk about this uh, pursuit of money and stuff. If I get just a little bit more money, if I get just a little bit more stuff, then I'm going to find myself happy. And the last week, we're going to talk about this hunger for comfort. If I can just get rid of some of the problems in my life, and if everything can just kind of relax and be good, then I'll be happy. And today, we're going to tackle the pursuit of approval. This insatiable desire for other people to approve of us, to be happy with us. Do you like me? So I, I'm going to ask for a little bit of help from you all out there. You don't have to stand up or anything, but I want to see a show of hands for how many of you think that maybe you care just a little bit too much about what other people think, that you battle a little bit with this whole thing of, okay, yeah, put your hand up, you feel like a little bit. Now, if you are putting your hand up right now because you don't want to hurt my feelings, then that may be a sign that you care a little too much about what other people think. It's this pursuit of people being happy with us and trying to please people. I like what Harriet Breaker said. She writes this, that she kind of uses this term, the disease to please is actually a form of addiction. She says, like a drug addict seeks drug, people pleasers seek approval. So why... Why do we seek approval? Why, why do we do this? I think at the heart of it is we feel or have this deep inward belief that somehow I got to be approved by other people to feel good about myself. Or you could say it this way, I please people so that they will validate my worth and my value. 
So how do we know that we wrestle with or battle with this need to please? How do you know if that's it? Because it's sometimes hard for us to see in our lives. Number one, um, you battle with this because you obsess about what other people think. You obsess about what other people think. Do you like my haircut? Do you like my dress? Do you like the car I drive? Do you like the kind of food that I happen to eat? Um, Do you like the picture that I posted? Then you text somebody and they don't immediately text you back and you think, oh no, what's wrong? What's going on? I see the three dots there, but there's nothing showing up and we worried, is there a problem with us, right? And we are obsessed with this need to please people. A second reason maybe that you struggle with this is you're overly sensitive to criticism. You're overly sensitive to suggestions or to criticism by other people. Your supervisor makes a suggestion or a criticism of you, and your whole life just falls apart. You know, you, maybe you get difficult feedback, or you get one negative comment, or maybe your child tells you exactly what they think about you, and your whole day is ruined. You just completely fall apart. A hundred people can say something positive about you, but one significant person in your life says something negative, and it's like you spiral down into this dark place that you can't seem to get out of. We're overly obsessed and sensitive to criticism. But a third reason why we may struggle with this is that we have a hard time saying no. We're so geared to what other people think about us that we just can't say no to them. Maybe you find yourself avoiding conflict at all costs because you don't want to cause waves. You don't want anybody to be unhappy with you. Or that kid comes by selling that wrapping paper, right? And you spend money on wrapping paper you would never spend money on because you don't want your neighbors to think you're some kind of a jerk, right? That you won't spend money on something like that. Or you go to a party that you would never want to go to. Or you go out with that guy you would never go out to within a million years because you just can't say no because you want other people to like you, to be happy with you. And so some of you, this is exactly where you live. You're overcommitted And then somebody comes up and they ask you to do something and you think to yourself, well, why not? It's not like I don't have millions of other things to do, but because you want to make people happy, you struggle with saying no. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't really think, I didn't really think I cared a lot about what other people thought about me for many, many years. Probably that's just because of a lack of sensitivity to the world around me at times, but I've realized through the years that I, I, it does matter what other people think about me. I, you know, I hear these things in my brain like many of you. In fact, one of the people that matters the most to me is 24-year-old Doug Vernon. Uh, immature, inexperienced, arrogant jerk of a guy still plays in my brain even today. There's this phrase. I remember this guy that I knew who was a preacher at this small church out in the middle of nowhere, and he was in his 50s. A lot younger now than it used to be. But he, I, I remember in, in my mind I said, you know, if, if I was a pastor of a church like that, that was declining like that, I'd just get out of the ministry. And it's like it still plays in my mind. And many of you understand that. Because your 24-year-old self or somebody who's significant says these things and it shows up in our belief system. Now, before we write this off, it's just kind of a minor inconvenience. Okay, say, well, you know, I'm just trying to make people happy. It's not really that big of a deal there. I'm just, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I need you to understand this. Pleasing people is a form of idolatry because it makes 
the things people think about you more important than how God sees you. It's putting the approval of people ahead of the opinion of God. It's making people too big, and it's making God too small. And here's a very important warning that becoming obsessed with what people think about me is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about me. Becoming obsessed with what people think about me is the biggest way to forget what God thinks about me. But what God thinks about you is the antidote to this issue of always trying to please people. And that's what we're going to zero in on today. Here's our key. I cannot please everybody, but I can please God. I cannot please everybody. Some of you don't believe that that's true, but you can't please everyone, but you can please God. And some of you don't even think that part is true. See, it almost goes without saying that to be a follower of Jesus Christ means that I live my life for the purpose and the goal of pleasing God. That that's my objective. That's, it. that's kind of my goal in life. And yet for many of us, the problem with that is that God is this kind of, you know, vague kind of ethereal thing up here. He's important to me, but I got people right here in my face. And I see their expressions, and I live with them. And so it's difficult for me to live my life recognizing that the p- approval of God is more, than, uh, more important than the approval of other people. And I think the writer of Proverbs understands this struggle. So here's Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. He says this, The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. This is profound. This is so significant. So let me break it down into a couple parts. The first part is this. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. So the situation, that fear of man that he's describing, is there's something going on in in which the approval of some person or group of people becomes so important that I'm going to do what it is they want me to do. I'm going to consider what they think in order to make a decision in my life. And how does it control somebody's life? It will be a snare. It shows up as a snare. The the idea of this word snare, it's like a noose that is laid to trap an animal. Or it also describes a hook in the nose of an animal that you can use to lead it around. I mean, my dad had this massive bull one time. And it had a hook in its nose, and he could take that bull, and he could lead it wherever he wants to go. And that's how some of you feel in regard to the opinion of other people, that you're stuck, that you're trapped, because you feel like I have to spend all of my life making other people happy. The fear of man, it's a trap, it's a snare, it is not of God. And some of you know exactly how that feels. But there's a second part to that verse, that whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. I mean, this is such an amazing picture that when I put my trust in God and God's will and in how God sees me and how God views me, it will keep me safe. It's the picture of someone being lifted or raised above whatever horrendous thing is happening below, whether it's a torrential flood, whether it's some kind of a massive battle that's taking place, 
that what happens when I put my trust in how God sees me and how God wants me to live, it's like I'm lifted up to this very safe place on a rock. And today I want to help you to put your trust in what God says. That you and I learn to believe his truth more than we believe the things of people that say, they say around, I cannot please everybody, but I can please God. So how do I put my trust in God? How do I overcome this approval addiction. The first thing you need to do is to focus on pleasing God rather than pleasing people. You got to focus on pleasing God rather than pleasing people. To, to trust in the Lord means I live with God's will in mind. I live my life thinking about what God wants, which is what makes this whole past year so significant. This has been the year of learning and being taught and digging into the Word of God. And the reason we want to dig into the Word of God is so that we will know what God wants in our life. So that I, as I read God's Word and I say, here's, here's something that pleases God. Here is God's will. Here's, here's what God wants me to do. And I see that and I can focus on that and I can know that is how God wants me to live. And so for some in this room, you need to make a commitment not only to learning the Word of God on a regular basis, but then when you learn about what God wants us to do, that's what we put into practice that's a demonstration that I am trusting in the Lord. I focus on God so my attention is diverted from the carrot. And so it's really a simple premise, but it's challenging to do, right? To please God. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now don't miss that last part as Paul is talking to these people. He's, he's about to lay out some pretty, pretty strict, hard, challenging teaching. And as he sets that up, he says, look, I'm not about pleasing people. I'm about pleasing God. And he says there, if pleasing people is my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. You cannot simultaneously live for the applause of the crowd. And also, live for the applause of God. So we've got to focus on pleasing God. So what it means is, for some of us, we need to make a decision. We just need to make a decision in our mind that anytime we learn, this is what God wants me to do. Anytime we face a situation in which we know, this is how God wants me to react or God wants me to respond, we just need to make a decision. And that decision is simply this, that I'm going to do what God wants me to do. That as I learn more of what pleases God, I'm going to choose that path no matter the consequences. I'm learning about God so that I can live the way God wants me to live. And what's interesting is you cannot please everybody. And if you try to please everybody, what happens to you? You just get exhausted trying to please other people. You know, as a pastor, I just, I can't please everybody. I mean, we got like, 300 plus people that are a part of this church. And so if I spent my time trying to please people, it would be exhausting. Because we've got some people who want to be able to have deep theological sermons. Then we got other people, they, it would make them really happy if we had extremely practical sermons. we got some people, they want to stay busy every single day of the week in some kind of a, event at church. And other people who want to have just enough church you know, that keeps them out of trouble. We got some people 
they want to know everybody who's a part of our church family. And other people, they want just a, you know, a handful of very deep, significant relationships in the church. We have some people who really want us to sing country music. And we have other people who have good taste in music. I mean, it's like if you spend all your time, you, you can email me at I don't care at WCCL. You, you could spend all of your time, and you know, we know this mentally, but sometimes when we struggle with this, it's like we really think, well, yeah, it's possible to make everybody happy around me, all those people that are important to me. If you try to please people, you'll wear yourself out, but you can please God. You can please God. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. Say that with me. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. Now say it like you mean it, right? I can't please everyone, but I can please God. I will focus on this audience of one, this one who loves me because becoming obsessed with what think of, people think about me is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about me. And so I'm going to focus on what God thinks about me. And number two, I'm going to live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. I'm going to live from the approval of God. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, meaning if you made a, a clear decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus as your Savior, if you stood before a group of people and you confessed that faith and you said, I'm going to make him Lord of my life, meaning I'm going to repent of the things I'm doing, I'm going to live the way he wants me to live. If you've been immersed into Jesus Christ, if you've put your faith and your trust into Jesus Christ, do you know what? God already approves of you. And this is life transforming for you to understand. If you are a follower of Jesus, God already approves of you. You don't have to do anything in your life to try to make God happy because he's already pleased with you. God approves of you through Jesus Christ. That's why we need to live from the approval of God so that that can help us overcome trying to have the approval of mankind. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians. He, he was talking to a group of people like us that were trying to live in a culture that made it really difficult. And so in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, Paul says this, on the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. God approves of you so much that he has entrusted to you the good news about Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. It is the news that says you and I are sinful people, that on our own we can do nothing. But out of the love that God has for us, he sent his son Jesus Christ who died on the cross. It was his sacrifice that made salvation possible. And then God in his power raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And that same power is at work in those who will put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. New life in Christ. And he trusts you and I with that message. You're improved of God. God already sees you in love. He sees you as if you were Jesus Christ. If you care what people think, you can't take that message out. 
If you're so obsessed with what people think, you have a hard time talking to anybody about Jesus Christ. But you're approved by God. And the bottom line is when we understand this, we understand how God sees us. It changes everything. Because when God looks at you as a follower of Jesus, he doesn't see your sinfulness. He doesn't see your behavior. He doesn't see your past He doesn't see those terrible choices that you made in your life. When we understand that God sees Jesus when God sees us, it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that has been transferred to every single one of us. And because of what Christ did, my worth is not based upon what people think about me, even what I think about me. But when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, my worth is based upon what God says about me. And you know what God, what God says about you? He says you are a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. You know what God says about you? That you are forgiven and your sins are washed away. Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. He says that you are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Romans 8.37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God looks at you and he says that you are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece, his handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God looks at you and he says, you are the light of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. God looks at you and he says, you are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Paul says in Romans 8, 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, that's a rhetorical question because it is as a follower of Jesus Christ, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. In you, God looks at you and he says, you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 17, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. God looks at you and he says, you are his representative, his ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God looks at you and he says, you are the righteousness of me in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And God looks at you and he says, you are dearly loved by me. Paul says in Romans 1.17, to all in Rome who are loved by God, meaning to all Christians who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. My worth is not based upon my behavior. My worth as a follower of Jesus is not based upon what other people think about me. My worth is based upon what God says about me. My identity is in Christ. I can't please everybody, but I can please God. Now, if you're here today and you have never invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you you can't. You can't say that. You can't claim that. Not because God doesn't love you, because 
His, the death of his son on the cross proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves you dearly. But because you haven't made the decision to say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and we would love for you to make that choice. We would love to talk to you about that decision. To say, I'm not going to trust in my own goodness anymore, but I'm going to trust in the salvation of Jesus Christ that comes because of his sacrifice on the cross. That I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to demonstrate that trust by standing in front of a group of people and saying, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You can say that today I'm making him Lord and Savior of my life by repenting of my past sins and saying, I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. By being immersed into a watery grave of baptism, which pictures for us, you know, the death to our soul self and coming to a new life that comes only because of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, we're here today because of our desperate need for you. Lord, every one of us in this room struggles with things in our life. And so today we say, Lord, we want to live our lives with the understanding and the knowledge that comes from your word, that you love us and that you are pleased with us. We're not condemned, Father, but we're your children. And so, Lord, help us to put pleasing you way above pleasing others around us. Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you for your great love for us, and it's in your most precious name we pray, amen.